You're listening to Mitnick's Monthly Brushstrokes, a podcast on the art of outsmarting, the fun part that sets you apart. I'm Keith Mitnick, author of Don't Eat the Bruises. For more information, visit keithmitnick.com or email me. It's kmitnick at forthepeople.com. Hello again, everybody. I want to um, pick up where I left off last time. This is the last piece of the maximum damage matrix. First, as you'll recall, just to recap, was putting an end to belittling pain that you can't see. That's specific to like a herniation case. The rest of this is not specific to that. It works in any kind of an injury case. And the second step was the dignity of damages, where we remind the jury and teach the jury that what we're doing is true civil justice, and we ought to do it proud. That final step is having the audacity to ask for full value. Again, I mentioned it last time. I'm going to reiterate it because it's so important. I don't want anyone to think by audacity, I mean show off. Nothing could be further from the truth of what I'm trying to communicate. You look up audacity. I have. It means courage. You have the courage to ask for full justice. No discount justice, because it might be a little easier rolling off your tongue. And the full value of these cases is established not by what someone told you they were worth who didn't know what they were worth or thought they knew and were off the mark badly. They are worth what it would be if it was you and not a cent less. And I and, and you got to do one last piece to that. When you assess what it would be worth to you, do it looking forward, not backwards. What I mean by that, what if someone came to you and said, We're going to do this to you. And we wanted to discuss what's a fair and reasonable amount why you still had a choice in the matter. Do it from that perspective. Because if you do it from the other end, it's already happened, and you're picturing what if someone was talking to me and I had this problem, this injury. It's so easy to fall back in those prearranged, unfair boxes we've all been mired in. And what you'll do is just push it to the top of the range, but you're still in the box, or maybe you just poke out of it a little. I want to break the box and throw it out. It's trash. And the best way to do that is to say, what would it be worth to me if I still had a choice in the matter and it hadn't happened yet, and I was going to have to agree to a fair and reasonable amount to let it be thrust into my life? Now you'll get the fair and reasonable value. That's what happened to your client. And that is the proper perspective for assessing the value. When you've done that, you have had the pep talk with yourself. Because look, when you have the audacity to ask for full value, it's going to be more than you used to would have. Look, there may be cases it's not. You may have already been there. 
But I can tell you from experience, a lot of times, you're going to be asking for not a little more, a lot more. And not because you got greedy, not because you learned a system would let you pull off a fast one, but because you realize, I'm not going to short my client. I'm not going to voluntarily participate in, in shorting my client from what they ought to get. And I have a fresh perspective and an awakening, and it has invigorated me to do what's right. That's the audacity to ask for full value. But in order to do it, you got to have two things, two things. They're essential to this. You don't have them, you can't do it. I shouldn't say that. The second one, there are places you might not be able to do, and you can still do it. First one, for sure you can't do without. And that is, you got to believe it when you deliver it. If you stand up and say, and you got a herniated disc case, and you stand up and give them a number of three and a half million, four million, whatever your number is, that is fair and reasonable for the facts of your case and the circumstance of your case, because these numbers aren't predetermined. They are case-by-case basis, really rolling up your sleeve and look at them with fresh, crystal clear, fair eyes. You get up and say it, and you're squeezy about it. You think that jury doesn't pick up on your body language, something in your tone, some twitch in your face, some you won't want to make eye contact. I guess their poker players could pull it off, but they need to go to Vegas and stay out of my courtroom and your courtroom because we are poker players. We fight for justice. We aren't mercenaries. This is a calling. So you need to believe in it or don't do it. But don't say, well, gosh, that sounds high to me. I don't believe in it, so I ain't going to do it. So I'm going to discount it. You only do that when you've done the hard work of making sure that that number is right or wrong. And you don't judge it by what's my knee-jerk first reaction because it's all based on the unfairness that we've been steeped in for years. We're breaking out of that. So you get past knee-jerk reactions. You don't give up quickly. And you've done the math. You've worked the problem. You've come up with that number, and that's what the number is. And you got there with some mathematical measuring sticks. You don't just run from it because in your initial reaction, you work the problem. You look at it. You stare at it. You think about it. You have the talking to you to yourself. What if it was me prospectively not looking back? And if at the end of all that, you still go, I just don't believe that's just too much. Well, then for goodness sake, don't do it. But don't just cut and run when you're off your knee jerk. Work the process. You know, it's like going to an AA meeting. Work it. And I suspect your heart's going to change when you really think about what if it was me and you stick with it and you push away how much of this is coming from stuff from my past that was wrong that's making me feel that way. I can tell you in my experience what you end up doing is I don't just kind of believe in it. I didn't just almost get there. You believe in it big time. So give your client, give yourself, give the fundamental belief in justice that we all care about, 
a chance. When you believe, now you're ready to deliver. And you have to believe because the jury can tell. But when they can tell you believe, you've taken the first giant step to being ready to deliver it with the audacity to ask for full value. Because you've already done the hard work of establishing the principle that assessing amounts for what was taken and recognizing it fully is American justice and something to be proud of. And you've already taken the steps, if it's a, uh, one of these injuries that you can't judge a book by its cover, of just squashing and putting an end to them, belittling that as if it's no big deal because we can't see it. So you've taken a lot of steps, and you're almost there. You are now into the audacity to ask phase, and you've done the hard work of talking to yourself and breaking free and, and judging it from the lens of what if it was me looking forward. And now you believe. Whatever the number you came up with, you believe. And you came up with it not pulling it out of the air. You came up with it by using damage models yourself internally before you delivered them to the jury. So now you're ready. There's one more step. Unless you're in a venue, and there are a few of them, not many, that won't lie to use damage models or some of them like you can't use per diem. Well, obviously, I don't want to tell anyone to jump up and mistry your case. Follow your law. But most places you can, so I want to, want to lay this out for you. You pick a good damage model for one reason, validating the two key steps to the audacity to ask phase three of the maximum damage matrix is believing and validating. So now, you've laid all this out. You're looking at the jurors in the eye and you say, now I want to talk to you what's a fair and reasonable amount. My client, I'm going to start with a per diem damage model. And I'm going to abbreviate this. My client, you heard, has... 30 years left of life expectancy. She could live longer, she could live less. Nobody knows for sure, but these are a huge database of information that leads to that, and it's the best evidence we got. And she lives one moment by moment, hour by hour. People would love to be able to just skip ahead when they're having a bad time, skip a day, skip a week, heck, skip a month or a year sometimes. That's not the way life works. People got to live life moment by moment, hour by hour, and she lives with this all the time. In fact, it even interferes with her sleep. She can sleep. No one says she can't sleep, but she's tossing and turning because it's hard to get comfortable and stay comfortable. And, and lots of the times, it's low-level pain. It's more of discomfort, pilot light pain. But she's making many choices all the time. Do I do or don't do knowing I'm going to go from pilot light to flare-up if I do? And that's her new life. That's her new baseline. Making all these many choices you didn't make before, and this was thrusting in her life as we talked about unnaturally by no fault of it all. It didn't just happen. And she's going to live with that the rest of her life. And if you were to take merely $10 an hour 
spread over that significant period of time. That comes to a million and a half dollars, $1.5 million. And you look them in the eye. I, I didn't do the math on that, whatever it comes to. And you look them in the eye and you say, and look at them all. Let it sit a minute. Now, that's a lot of money. But that's a lot of hurt for a lot of time. If my client had just had a little sprain strain like they say that healed up, we wouldn't be talking about nearly that amount. But that's not the evidence in this case. And there were folks that said, look, I'm not comfortable with a, a significant number like that. I don't care what the evidence says. But that's none of you. Every one of you gave your oath and your word. If the evidence was there, you would have no hesitation. And now you know why we ask those questions. Because the evidence is there. And I ask you, if any of you or one of your juror mates were to say, gosh, that's more money than so-and-so makes over X period of time, just respectfully remind them, that's not the proper measuring stick under the law. That's not how we're supposed to look at this, how much someone else makes in a job. This isn't a job. This is health that was taken. And I say do it respectfully because no one's going to do come up with a measuring stick that's against the law on purpose. So do it gently and respectfully, but, but make sure we keep this. We've come this far. Let's stay on course. Let's not let justice be derailed at the last minute. Let's stay with it. Now I'm going to sit down and save a little time for rebuttal. That's a powerful argument. That's a per diem argument. And you'll see, Go if, you, if you've got, you know, 30 years, 40, 50 years life expectancy, then the numbers are going to be millions of dollars. And I, I run it that way to myself. That's how I start coming up with the numbers. I've just gotten rid of going, oh, that's too much. we got to go less. Well, why is it too much? Because someone told me it was too much. The source of it was an insurance company. you got to be kidding me. Not a, it, Yes, in the past, no more in the future. Uh-uh, and not today. So that's the process. We validated with a damage model, and we started out by believing, and we laid all the groundwork and the other steps. And you know what? Even if the juror goes, and I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to do that. You know what they're not going to do? They're not going to turn on you and go, all right, now I'm going to find against him and his client because they had the audacity to ask for, for that amount. Why would they do that? As long as you believed in it and you validated it, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go, well, look, he believed in it, she believed in it, and actually had a basis for it, it made sense. It's more than I'm, I think I'm comfortable with, but, but you know, I see how they got there. Well, guess what? What are they? They're not going to suddenly find against you and your client because you had an honest disagreement on valuation process. You know, by this point in time, if you're in the in the fight, they've already respect you and believe your clients heard. If they don't believe that, none of this matters. And they're not going to suddenly say, "Well, let's just screw them over," because. We have a little disagreement on what it is. And you know what? If you chicken out and ask for less, the conversation's going to, they're going to come down from there too. And they're going to end up instead of, you're going to say 500 and they're going to go to 200 and you're going to really shortchange your client. If you started at the million five or whatever the numbers added up to and they come down some, 
Where they end up is certainly going to be closer to full and complete justice. You may be, you will still be disappointed because you'd meant it and you believed it. You weren't making it up. And there's going to be some disappointment. But I'd be, rather be disappointed that instead of coming back at the full amount, they discounted 20% than if I came up because of my own queasiness and lack of courage, something that started too low and they added 20% discount from there. So have the audacity. You're doing the right thing. It just means you're brave. What's another? Real quick here. I don't want to run too long, but let me just real quick give you another damage model real quick. Um, I'll give you a couple others. You can use multiples of economics. What if you have um, not a lot of life expectancy, but you got, look, past medical expenses and future medical expenses add up to 500000 Well, you can use a multiple of that. You say, listen, now you're same thing. Stand in front of the jury. You're ready. You're using a damage model. Now I want to talk to you. What's the fair and reasonable about for the non-economic, the pain and suffering, the quality of life damages? Well, the doctors in this case just to come in and out of the life, their my client's life briefly. They're just there quickly in and out, and to partially make things better for the treatment and the injections and the surgery. Just partially it didn't fix it, didn't cure it because it's incurable. It's forever injury, but they did improve it for coming in for a short period of time, doing their best to make it somewhat better. That's what the, that value of that is $500,000. Well, that's, that, that pales in comparison to what it is to live with this around the clock. That's why oftentimes people will use a multiple of five to 10 times that. Five to 10 times what those expenses were just to deal with this and the potential few, and then those future expenses that are likely. And if you take five to ten times that, that's 2.5 million to five, $2.5 million to five million dollars. Now that's a lot of money, but that's a lot of hurt to be thrust into someone's life by no fault of their own. Now, I left out a lot of hurt over a lot of time because we don't have a lot of time to work here. So that's a multiple of economics model. It, let's say you've got someone elderly. I'm going to do two more quick ones. Um, and bear with me. I try to keep these short, but this I want to finish this up and we'll, we'll wrap up. If someone's elderly and you don't have a lot of time and you don't have a lot of economic expenses that you can use as a multiple, that doesn't mean suddenly their injury is not worth much. That's a horrible injury. Why? Because all time's not equal. And I talked about this, I believe, in my one of my earlier years of sessions of, podcast, of these podcasts in the past, but I want to plug it in here in this new context. So if you have someone elderly, then you use the all time's not equal and you tell the jury. I want to talk to you about my client's injury and what's a fair and reasonable amount for it. But we got to keep in mind the context. All time's not equal. When people are younger, a lot of times they wish they were older. They're not worried about time being precious. They want to skip ahead and be a grown-up, an adult, have adult rights. Or they want to be older, and so their career's further along the line. They're more experienced. They want to be older, so they have a family and kids, whatever. But you know what? When people are at the other end of the spectrum and time's running out, 
Time is valuable. It's not treated as an afterthought or something you'd like to skip. Every moment matters. It matters a lot. Anything of value, the less of it there is, the more valuable it is. And there's nothing more valuable than, our, than life. It's the ultimate, most precious thing humans have. And when it's in scarce supply, it is of great value. That's why if you go to a movie and there's a deathbed scene, it's so gut-wrenching because of the ultimate scarcity of time. That's why when people get elderly and they've had an argument and they say they're sorry, it comes from the heart because there may not be another chance. That's why the I love yous when you say goodbye aren't perfunctory, not love you, it's I love you, honey. Because it could be the last time you say those words, they matter. That's why sitting on a couch with someone elderly, you can talk about nothing. But you value the time because there may not be another time sitting on the couch chatting about nothing. So please, I ask you to bring back a verdict that recognizes the magnitude of dropping this into my client's life as this extra burden when she was already carrying so many other burdens at a time when every moment matters and now those moments were lived with this completely avoidably. The defendant just done their job right. And I suggest in that situation anything less than a million dollars for the time in the impact of taking that piece of health from her that was precious time and the precious bit of health that was left. Anything less would simply be unfair to someone elderly like that whose time was running out. And I know that's a lot of hurt. I'm Excuse me. I know that's a lot of money. But that's a lot of hurt at a time when it really, really hurts. You feel it? You feel the difference? Let me give you, I'm going to give you one more. This comes out of the talking to that I did to myself. And again, some places may or may not permit these. For goodness sake, check your law. But I call it the experiment model. If someone comes to your client, you, you're talking to the jury. What if someone came to Ms. Jones and said, we want to do an experiment. We want to cause this injury to them and then follow them over the rest of their life to see what kind of an impact it has. And we'd like you to agree to do it. But before we do that, we need to talk about what is a fair and reasonable amount for you to go through it. And we need to have full disclosure. And then you just start laying it out. So the first thing is going to happen. Someone's going to ram you from behind in a car. You're going to feel some pain. You're going to be hopeful. You're going to feel like, you know, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm really stiff and sore. And, but, you know, it's going to get better. And it's not going to get better. And you're going to be disappointed. So you're going to go to the chiropractor and get some relief. And you're going to think, okay, that'll help. And you're still hopeful it's going to go away. But it doesn't. And finally, 
the next thing's going to happen to you, just for full ex- disclosure, Miss Jones, is they're going to then say, we need to get some MRIs and make sure it's not more serious. And you need to get that news. Uh-oh. This isn't just a sprain strain. you got a herniation. And you're going to go, oh, my goodness. No wonder it ain't got better. What's that mean? It's beyond me. I want to send you to a spine specialist, a, a spine surgeon, a neurosurgeon. Let them look at it. I'm going to send you to so-and-so. And so Ms. I want to tell you, Ms. Jones, that's not the end because once you get to the spine surgeon, they're going to say, let's try some what we call cons- more conservative treatment, but a little more aggressive. I'm going to send you to pain management, and you're going to get some injections. So that's what you have to look forward to, Ms. Jones. They're going to stick a needle in your neck, and they're going to inject it. It's going to hurt like the dickens. But you're going to come out of it feeling better, and you're going to go, my goodness, it's been three weeks. I feel so much better. And you're going to say, I'm finally at the end of this, but I need to tell you it won't be the end because it's going to wear off. And the next time you get that needle stuck in your neck and the pain that goes with it, it's only going to work for like a day. And you're going to be bitterly disappointed. So you're going to go back to the doctor, and that's not going to be the end of it because now the doctors will say, look, this is permanent. It's not going away. I'm sorry. And you're going to lose hope of a cure. He's going to say, but we can put you through a surgery, and it, 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 it may work. It may not. It's dangerous, but if you want to, I will do a surgery, and it may give you some relief. And you're going to decide after putting it off for a while, look, I need a break. i got to get some relief. I'm going to have it, and you have the surgery. And then and you walk them through all of the recovery. And then you say you're going to be hopeful, and you're going to feel better because the burning down your leg is going to have gone away or the burning down your arm is going to have gone away, but you're going to still have pain and discomfort, and now your neck's stiff from the hardware they put in your neck. But I got to tell you, Ms. Jones, that's still not going to be the end of it. Because now, as time goes on, it's going to start likely going to get worse. You're going to start having arthritis set in because you got this hardware in your neck. And the joints above and below are going to be at risk. And you may very well end up with having to have more surgery because of something called adjacent uh, segment disease. And as time goes on, it's going to impact you more and more. And when you're 60, you're going to feel like you're 80 with it. And then it's going to keep going. Now, that's what you have to expect, Ms. Jones. Now, who would start that conversation with her at less than $3 million? Now, in fairness, no one in their right mind, would agree to do that voluntarily at any price. But no one asked her permission. This was thrust into her life. So it is a fair and reasonable measuring stick. Now, I know that's a lot of money. But that's a lot of hurt for a lot of time. I hope you're feeling it, folks. I hope you're feeling the justice of it. I hope you're feeling the power of truly standing up to our full height and not letting insurance industry and others shrink us. And I look forward to talking to you next time.